Titus, uh, let's begin reading. We'll read uh, verse 10 down through the end of the chapter, and we'll circle back up to verse 9. <clears throat> We're going to be talking about holding fast this morning, and then a little bit about, well, primarily about dealing with the unruly, but as we continue, I, I titled it Holding Fast. Verse 10, Titus chapter 1, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this place that we can gather together as your people. And Lord, certainly we thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us. And Father, but I pray that you would help us to set aside the cares of the week ahead and the distractions of this life that we might focus on your word uh, this morning. I pray that you would bless each teacher in this facility. Lord, as the word of God goes forth, we pray that it would go forth with power. And Lord, that it would have free course in our hearts and that we would make application of the things that we learn from the word of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we continue our travels through Titus, we, we noticed uh, last week or maybe the couple of weeks that the first order of business uh, to set things in order, those things that we're wanting, was to deal with leadership. And Paul gave Titus some guidelines or qualifications or direction or characteristics that ought to be evident in the lives of men that he would appoint or ordain as the bishops there on the island of Crete. And, and, uh, <clears throat> but as we continue our way through this chapter, uh, we kind of see a description of why there was a great need for these overseers, uh, for these bishops. Uh, we read the verses a few moments ago. Uh, there are some unruly people uh, on the island of Crete. And, and uh, <clears throat> listen, unruly people negatively impact churches everywhere. Uh, not just in Crete. Uh, what does it mean to be unruly? Uh, the idea really is insubordinate. Uh, one who uh, does not submit to authority. And certainly that is the case in church. Oftentimes those that are disobedient, uh, that refuse to be put under rule, unruly. Uh, the disobedience or the resistance of authority. And so in the setting of our text, uh, really that would, they don't have the whole canon of Scripture. Uh, at, at this time, and so uh, they were being unruly to the apostles of Christ and to God's Word. Um, <clears throat> so we, uh, they were to follow the teachings of, of those that God had ordained or, or put into positions or made apostles, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. So there were these people that were unwilling to continue steadfastly. In the doctrine, and and so as we look at this, the teachings of the apostles uh, were considered the Lord and the word of the Lord. First Corinthians fourteen thirty seven says this: If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge 
that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, For this cause think also we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. And so they may not have had all the scripture that we have today, the whole canon of scripture, but it was just as authoritative. As the church was being established and God had appointed those to, to oversee the establishment of the church, and there, yet there were those that were unruly. Uh, we need to be careful that we don't have an unruly spirit, a disobedient spirit, because it's ultimately, listen, when you rebel against the leadership that God has ordained, and whether that's in the church, uh, God's given us pastors in, in, in those folks, or whether that's parents in a home or a husband or whatever the case, you're really resisting God because God's ordained those things. And so sometimes we get frustrated about things and we lash out at individuals, but the reality is our real problem is with God himself. And we need to acknowledge that and, and understand that as so. Unruly attitudes can be a problem in churches today. So we, I think we would be very careful to consider our text this morning. Uh, but before we do, I want you to make note of verse 9. <clears throat> uh, it says this, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. So this is really kind of the last requirement of, of the men that are to be appointed or ordained as bishops. Those that would hold fast to the faithful word. And uh, what a blessing it is to know that we're not making this thing up as we go. Listen, we have the word of God. And that's very comforting to know. Uh, that that uh, It's not by the... the the intelligence of a man uh, that God, but it's by God Almighty, the Creator of the earth, and His perfect written word that He's given us that we base the things in. That's how we set things in order. <clears throat> so, the last instruction to hold fast, holding fast the faithful word, the idea there is to adhere to, uh, really by extension, to care for, hold fast to it, hold or to support it. And really, the reality is it ought to be the most dear thing that we hold to, is God's Word. Our allegiance should be to God and His Word. Not a man, not a church, a denomination. It's to God and His Word. <clears throat> this Word is used four times in the New Testament. One of them here in Titus. Two of them are in reference to the phrases in the teachings of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and it uses the term there, He will hold. Found in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 4. And there's another one talking about supporting the weak, which has the same idea of supporting or adhering to something. But look at what Matthew 6.24 says. No man can serve two masters. For he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Luke 16.13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Excuse me. We see that Titus and those he would appoint are instructed to keep the word of God the primary focus of everything that they do to set things in order. It's the word of God. We cannot properly organize a church without the word. To try to do anything other than that would just be ludicrous, really. Listen, God established the church. He ordained it and Christ died for the church. Where else can we turn? 
not men's wisdom. Uh, so foolish, but it's God and His Word. But in order to set things in order, we can't mix it with other things. With our ideas and our philosophies and how we think it ought to work. You can't serve too. Uh, we need to be, adhere solely to the Word of God. So what am I saying this morning? The final authority for the church and really all of our lives is the Word of God. It's faithful, it says here in verse 9. It's trustworthy. It's never failed. It's not going to fail. Uh, it's not about how our intelligence. Uh, listen, it's how we get sound doctrine. Uh, the teachings that ought to be prevalent in our churches. Listen, Jesus said either he will hate the one and love the other. There are so many today that are focusing on their philosophy or their way to grow their church, and they're erring from the Word of God. Uh, and they're not holding uh, fast to God's Word. Uh, we need to hold to God's Word. God help us to hold to the Word more than our preferences, more than our traditions. Oh no, hear me well this morning. If we're not careful, we'll be more concerned with the way we have seen it done rather than holding to the Word of God and how God intends for this to operate. And we're all guilty of it at times. Uh, we, we can say that we're not, and oh, we're so spiritual. But the reality is, every time we walk into a church, we have some preconceived ideas of what we expect to see. Why? Only because we've been to so many church services that, well, we have an opening hymn, and then we have a word of prayer, and then we, right? What if we break from that mold? We get out all the whack, and everybody's like, what's going on here? This is crazy. And, uh, but listen, we need to be careful. Uh, if the Word of God is preached and taught in that service, who cares if they don't open with a hymn? They go straight to opening prayer. <gasps> I'm saying that kind of jokingly, but the reality is sometimes we get caught up in those things. And now, I, that's not to suggest that there aren't whack churches out there either. There are some whack churches. And what they're doing is not biblical at all. And uh, we may look at some of that here later. And interesting enough, on the way in, Cindy and I passed uh, her boss, the squadron commander for LRS, on the road, and, and they were going to a church. I won't mention the name. And, and it sounds like he's not leading the home. He's like, oh, I think my wife's going to make us go to. And he's like, ah, the smoke machine and the flashy lies. He's like, I'm not trying to go to church to have a party and to feel good. I'm trying to go to church to feel bad about myself. And I think what he's saying is he, he's expecting to hear the Word of God preached, the conviction. That's the way I interpret that. It's not about a show. Uh, so there is a wrong way to organize a church. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that there, and we may touch on that here in a moment. But listen, the reality is the Word of God ought to be the primary or the only way that we pattern uh, how we do things. Um, that's not to suggest there aren't ways to reach people uh, in our outreach, but don't ever forget that this assembly is for believers. The church was designed that we would come together to exhort and to encourage and be equipped for the work of the ministry. It's not to attract the lost here to share the gospel with them. Now, we want the lost to come and to join our fellowship and to be with us and to preach the gospel to them, but that is not the purpose of this gathering. Please don't misunderstand that because that is what so many churches today are doing. They're putting all kinds of programs together, doing all kinds of crazy stuff to attract these lost people. And then the reality is they're giving them a very watered down gospel to begin with. It, 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 and so 
But that's not in my notes. I, I'm trying not, I don't know. You guys are distracting me this morning. So, but listen, be very careful that it's not about your preferences or the way you think you've seen it done. And we'll talk about traditions because traditions aren't all bad. Uh, I'll read some scripture here in a moment about that. But <clears throat> listen, was that not the stumbling block of the Jew? Verse 14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and the commandments of men that turned from the truth. Listen, they were more interested with the oral traditions and perhaps their experiences. And uh, they erred. The study and application of God's word ought to be priority in the primary focus of our ministry. Titus was instructed to set things in order, and so the, the first order of business was to ordain qualified elders, but the second was to root out some of this Jewish legalism, if you will, uh, the, the circumcision it talks, and it was really sapping the spiritual life of the Christians on Crete. It was overthrowing, it was subverting whole houses, it says. And so certainly there were some things uh, taking place on, on, on Crete that needed to be dealt with. Listen, it's imperative that we stick to the book, the Word of God. It's absolutely imperative. It's by God's Word that we can exhort and convince gainsayers in verse 9, that we find sound doctrine. Uh, the gainsayers are those who oppose or speak against the truth. Here's what Albert Barnes says here uh, regarding verse 9. Let's read verse 9 before I read this, this quote. It says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Albert Barnes says this, To persuade them or to bring them over to your views by kind exhortation and by the instruction which shall convince. The former method is used where men know the truth but need encouragement to follow it. The latter, where they are ignorant or opposed to it, both exhortation and argument are to be used by the ministers of religion. And so what I like the word he said there. It says kind exhortation. Listen, this isn't about just being cantankerous for cantankerous sake. And we'll talk about it. There needs to be rebuke. There needs to be things that dealt with. But it's not about doing it unkind. We still need to do it with the spirit of Christ and the spirit of the gospel. Listen, restitution or restoration, restitution, restoration is the end goal here. Or perhaps the salvation of those. Uh, that need to, it's not about me being right just because I want to be right. It's about the word of God going forth and the word of God being the priority and God being exalted and Christ being exalted. Listen, that's the goal here. The goal is to bring them in line with Scripture, the Word of God. So they were vain talkers, it says in verse 10, deceivers, those more given to talk than to the duties of practical religion. Uh, there's a lot of talk sometimes in church. Uh, uh, vain talkers. Listen, sometimes we just need to get busy about what God's intended us to do. Uh, we would do well to shut our mouth and just be obedient to the Word of God uh, and quit trying to convince people. And it says deceivers, right? Uh, they're not being honest. They're seeking to deceive others. Uh, this conduct, it really permeated those on, on Crete. Look at what verse 12 says. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. In verse 13, the first part of that, this witness is true. Boy, what a, what a description of the people that are there. Talk about needing to set some things in order. 
And we know it was especially true of those of the circumcision. And that has to do with those adding circumcision to, uh, to be saved. Acts 15 one says this, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the man of Moses, you cannot be saved. And so, again, what do we need to do? We need to stay focused on the word. And not what some men say. So the circumcision had, had made their way to Crete and, and they began corrupting faith and grace, right? They corrupted the message of salvation with, well, you got to get circumcised. Uh, legalism, if you will. And they were deceiving people. Their minds and their consciences were defiled. In verse 15, is unto the pure, all things are pure. Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. And, and listen, if you tell a lie enough, if you're being deceitful enough, you'll tend to believe it yourself. Listen, I remember as a young person convincing myself of certain things. And they were lies. Uh, listen, uh, we can mess up our minds if we're not careful. Uh, their minds and consciences had been corrupted. Look at what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3-5. through 5, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strife of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Listen, they, they've, I think this is a pretty good description. We can get all up in arms. Look at all the things that come. There's envy, there's strife, there's railings, disputings, perverse disputings, destitute of the truth. Listen, uh, they became abominable and disobedient. Look at verse 16 in our text. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient. And unto every good work, reprobate. Uh, the idea of abominable is detestable to God. They're disobedient, unwilling to be persuaded and to obey. Look at uh, Proverbs 6, if you would, 16 through 19. You don't have to turn there, but we're in church. It'd do you good to find Proverbs sometimes. That's how I memorize the books of the Bible. Just turn to them all the time. Proverbs 16, these things doth the Lord hate, lying, uh, yea, seven are abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Boy, I think that's a pretty good description of what's taking place here on Crete, right? These are an abomination unto the Lord. Consequently, these guys become unapproved for every good work. They're reprobate, our text tells us. They're rejected. They're worthless, cast away. They're of no real value to God, which, by the way, God created us to work. And, and later on, as we get into the book of Titus, we're going to talk about these good works and things. But God created us to be laboring for Him, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Uh, are you working for the Lord this morning? And the great thing is you don't got to do it in the flesh. His grace is sufficient to overcome all of our infirmities and weaknesses and failures, and we can serve God by grace. In church today, 
Those who risk the authority of the word of God are more likely to be given to talk than to doing. You know, there's a lot of opinions in a church. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but I can't tell you how many ideas are passed to me. Countless ideas. Well, I think if we do this, if we do that, let's do it. I think it would, Pastor DeGarmo, I think it would be more effective if we did it this way. You might be right, but I can't do it all. So quit talking about it, and let's start executing and doing the things that God's burdened on your heart. Now, I get it. I understand. We, we want to be obedient, and, and we do have an overseer, and our ministries need to be oversaw by him. If we're going to go out in the name of Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, pastor needs to be aware of what's taking on. But don't just come with ideas. Come with a mind to work out those ideas is what I'm saying this morning. We need to be very careful that we're not just vain talkers. That we have all these ideas, but we don't want to be the ones that bear the burden of doing all the work. And then we get frustrated. Well, well, I think the church could be doing more. Yeah, it could if you put your hands to work. Right? There's only so many hours in a day a given person has. And so that's why God has brought all the members of the body together. Right? That have different abilities, different talents. And so if we would all do those things, and I truly believe that if the Lord's leading you for the church to do something, he perhaps is working in your life to get busy in that area. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not God, but I'm just telling you, oftentimes I know that's true in my life. I get a burden for something, and next thing I know, God has me doing that. And so just keep that in mind. Don't just be talkers, I guess is what I'm saying. We should be aware of those prone to be talkers and not doers. Listen, they deceive others, but they're deceiving themselves. James chapter 1, 22 through 26. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forget what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being a, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Listen, following them that are just talkers will make your religion vain. See James one twenty six. The harm of the unruly. I'm thankful for our church. I don't think we have too many folks running around just unruly like crazy. What a blessing, right? That's an indication that we have folks here that are submitting themselves to the Word of God, submitting themselves to the structure that God has in place. Uh, But listen, the the harm that the unruly can do is, is astounding here. They were subverting whole households, overthrow or overturning households whose mouths must be stopped who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not. Look what it says, for filthy lucre's sake. They're turning people away from the faith, not just one person, whole houses. What a terrible thing. I would hate to give an account for such a thing. Teaching things that they ought not for money, dishonest gain. They're motivated by popularity or monetary gain willing to teach things that were not true because they could make some cash. 
that's terrible. God, I think, will have a, a very harsh judgment for those that would do such a thing. Listen, those unruly today are also motivated by such things as popularity and monetary gain. They will teach what others want to hear rather than the Word of God. It happens in churches across America every day, across the world. We could settle in here for a while, can't we? Those that stick to a a particular teaching, not because Scripture teaches it, but because it is widely supported among peers and colleagues. Boy, I can't have a different opinion. It may affect my ministry. Lord, help us. What, What grave judgment we will face one day when we're not just going to be honest with the Word of God and teach it as the Word of God says. And have a clear conscience with our God rather than, well, boy, if I go, man, I know we're independent, but all these guys are going to look different at me. Lord, help us. And by the way, we need to have grace. I don't have all the answers to the Bible. Far from it. And the more I get around preachers, the more I realize they're not as smart as I thought they were. And sometimes they're just... (laughs) Not this fella. (laughs) In all honesty, there's exceptions to what I just said. And, And I believe he's one of them. As God is my witness. You guys are still laughing, but I'm dead serious. But, no, you guys made me lose my, my train of thought here. Listen, we need to be careful. Listen, it affects the biblical literacy of God's people. Scare me to death to think that I'm going to hinder somebody's walk with God and their understanding of the Word of God. Because I'm just going to parrot something that I learned from someone else. Boy, oh boy. And, and because I'm afraid that what others may think. Or afraid that, man, it might affect our church numbers. It might affect how I'm viewed in, in the denomination. What a terrible thing. And their influence doesn't stop with just one or two. But whole houses are affected. Generations in some cases. Uh, so... When the rule unruly do exist, what do we do? How do we treat them? Verse 11. Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Excuse me. The idea of their mouths being stopped means to put something over their mouth, literally. Like to cover it, to stop it. Uh, maybe to curb it, to check it. The idea, a barn says a bridle or to restrain uh, to put to silence. But I think it's apply, implied here that this is done in a proper way in accordance with the spirit of the gospel. And we see that based on verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine, right? So through the good biblical word of God teaching, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Again, it's with the right spirit and the right attitude. Uh, <clears throat> We're not to meanly deal with people. But we need to call things by their right names and not to spare their faults. We do need to address things. Listen, confronting error has the objective of restoring the one in error. Not just stopping the spread of error. To be sound in the faith has the idea of to be well. Right, uh, figuratively, to be well in the body, uh, to be uncorrupt, 
true in doctrine to be in health, sound or wholesome. That's the idea is, is to bring them in line with the word of God. Uh, we don't just duct tape their mouth shut and walk away, if you will. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. And so this was the instruction that Paul gives to Titus. Listen, you're going to face some unruly. You're going to face some deceivers, some vain talkers. And here's how you deal with them. Sound doctrine, the word of God. To exhort and to convince. Not to Bible thump and to browbeat. And listen, not to talk bad about them behind their back. Listen, we'll get to it. Talk about rebuke. They need to be rebuked. We need to take the unruly seriously. We must stop the spread of false teaching by addressing it plainly, and we must have it in view of their salvation or restoration, perhaps, of those guilty of insubordination or unruly. And certainly this is the primary responsibility of the elder, uh, of the bishop, the overseer. Uh, But did you know it's not that person alone? Listen, if you're in the Word, you know the Word. You can help people along the way. Fellowship in church, talking amongst ourselves, and somebody says something. Wait a second, that's not what God's Word says. Look at this. It's all about exhorting and encouraging one another and, and maybe doing some convincing, saying, hey, that's ain't the right. Look at what the Word of God says on that matter. But did you know some people will fail to repent or... Or to respond. They'll reject because they're getting rich, maybe. For filthy lucre's sake, it says this. Here's what Paul says to the church in Rome. Romans 16. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, there's the qualifying thing. If they're contrary to the doctrine of the Word of God in Christ, boy, but their own bellies, and by good words of fair speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. And there's a commandment in, to the Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it says, we command, or Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. And there's that word tradition. Not all traditions are bad. Later on in that chapter, in in verses 14 to 15, if any man obey not our word by the epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy. Look what it says, but admonish him as a brother. Listen, we're not just to, to rebuke people and to stop their mouths and just walk away and be rude about it. But boy, it's the idea is to admonish him as a brother. to to bring restoration, to exhort, to convince them to get in line with the Word of God and Scripture. Listen, those that resist the authority of God's Word hurt themselves. They have a corrupt mind uh, eventually, and their conscience is defiled. And it can harm those around them, and, and they must be stopped. We need to rebuke them sharply. Listen, hoping that they will become sound in the faith. 
The whole, the whole point is, is for them to become sound of the faith. If they do not repent, then maybe we have to withdraw. There is a point in time where we might say, wait, wait a second. There's, there, there's something here that, that you're unwilling to really listen to, and this is clearly from the Word of God, so we might need to break fellowship in this case. And so we know the elders are especially charged to deal with this, but every Christian should be on guard against harmful influences in their life. We ought not hang out with those that are disobedient and unruly, Anyone that resists the authority of God's word. We need to be careful. But I want to remind you as we close that we do this by holding fast to the faithful word. That is the priority in all of this that I want you to take away today. We ought to be students of the word of God. We ought to hold to it, adhere to it, uh, support it, uplift it at every turn, at every opportunity. Verse 9, it says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. And I, I get it. I understand it's, a, it's an, a direction to those that would be uh, ordained, but I'm telling you that's good for all of us to be students of the word of God. Right. It's easy to identify error when you know what's true. I think it's verse 15 in our text that talks about that. But, but listen, you have to be in the Word. It's imperative to be in the Word of God. So I encourage you this morning to hold to it. Holding fast the faithful Word. This will never fail you. Your pastor may fail you. Your friends will fail. Your parents will fail. The church at large may at times fail you. But God and His Word will never fail. And so this is what we ought to hold to. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You, Lord, for Your Word. I pray that we would be people of Your Word. That we would hold fast to it. That we would read it, study it, memorize it, and apply it to our lives. And Father, I pray that we would do our part to preach it and to share it with those that we come in contact with, Lord, and that it would use us to be an encouragement, Lord, and maybe even a challenge to others. And so, Father, I pray that you would take your word and work on our hearts today as we move into the preaching hour. Lord, we pray for those that will be in the choir, and Lord, for the congregational singing. We, Lord, desire to glorify you in all of it today, and so we pray that as we lift our voices up, that it would be a sweet smell an offering unto you, Father, and that you'd work in our hearts today, encourage and strengthen us for the work of the ministry. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.